0: we see is a storm is coming. Now, uh, just, you know, it's, it's funny. I always have written down how I'm going to start a message, and normally uh, I think of a story or something, and then that all changes. So here we go. Uh, yesterday, uh, you know, we were taking the initiative to get grass to start growing at our house. Uh, we have got a front yard of grass and a backyard of red clay. And uh, we are trying our best to grow that red clay as much as possible. So we went to a uh, hardware store yesterday afternoon and um, was talking with the man. And he was saying that, you know, you don't really need to bother with grass right now because it's going to get cold and then hot. And anyway, he said, wait a month. But what you can do is you can put out lime and you can put out fertilizer. That way the grass that I have in the front can be fertilized and then... uh, The lime, I guess y'all would know more than me, I've got a black thumb, I don't understand this stuff, but they say that lime prepares the soil for when you get ready to uh, sow the grass. So maybe in about a month we'll try that, maybe by next year we might have a few blades of grass in the backyard instead of me mowing dirt all summer. But, uh, you know, we got all the stuff, and, you know, I I purchased all of it, got a new spreader. Oh, man, I felt like a man coming out of that hardware store. I had a spreader. I had my truck full of lime and fertilizer. Man, I was doing the manly thing. (laughs) Hoorah! Woo! And I got it, and we were driving home, and I'm like, do I really have to put all that stuff out tonight? And then my little encourager said, yes, you do, because it's supposed to rain tomorrow. So I did. And uh, sure enough, uh, I don't know, this really bugged me is I opened one bag of lime and everything went out fine. And the second bag, um, water had gotten into it. So it was a bag of clay is what that was. And uh, you should see me trying to spread that. I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but um, I improvised. And then Uh, After my second trip to the hardware store, you know, there you go, another trip, two trips in one day, I was, you know, manly to the T. And I came back and spread all that out. But, you know, I'm not trying to praise my ability as a man nor as someone trying to get grass to grow. But I am saying that there was a time crunch. There was a timetable. There was a reason, as my little encourager encouraged me in is that uh, my wife said, James, you know it's going to rain tomorrow. And I've learned to trust Donna when she says something happens, weather-wise, it's going to happen. Well, many other ways, too, but there you go, Donna, you got your rain. <laughs> and But no, I, I, I told her afterwards, I said, you know what, I'm really glad that you pushed me to do that because... When I woke up this morning and I saw the rain, just that, that sense of accomplishment of knowing it's probably not going to do a thing, but that I spread it anyway, and I did the work. So, uh, you know, feel free to give me your suggestions on how to grow grass where red mud is, and uh, and we can talk about that later. But the thing is, is that I was under a deadline because I knew the rain was going to come, and, and, and there again, I, you know, here we go, I didn't plan on sharing that, but here we are, we're talking about Mo- uh, Noah. I about said Moses. We're talking about Noah. And Noah has been told that a rain is a coming. That rain is on the way. And we know that a flood, a, a deluge, a, a basically more water than they have ever seen in their lives would be upon them before they knew it. And, and again, as, as I've said every week, and I'll, I know I'll say it again next week, it's just amazing for me to think that Noah was going to build an ark because a flood was coming and they had never seen rain. That's just... Can you imagine what they thought when they saw rain? I mean, that—that that was like the, the oceans were, were, were falling on them. And so it's just, it's just amazing as I thought, you know, we do live under a deadline. And believe it or not, there is going to be a second judgment. The God, has pro- God has promised us in his covenant that he would not destroy us again by water, but by fire. And so we know that if there was a first judgment, there's going to be a second judgment. And so what I'm telling you today, as we learn from Noah the first time it happened, maybe it'll prepare us for the next time because believe it or not, we all are in the t- on a time clock. From the last five minutes I have spoken, that has been five minutes of your life that you will never get back. And we are on a timetable that we know judgment is coming. But with technology nowadays, we have the the benefit of knowing sometimes days up to weeks out when a storm is going to be coming. Our phones, our televisions, our computers, uh, all of these devices can access information and and tell us where these storms are coming and... uh, I can remember back in uh, Wilmington when they would say a hurricane is coming. Uh, I was blessed, uh, Don and I, for the 12 years we were there. We did see some hurricanes, but nothing to the point of devastation that Floyd and some of those others uh, had done to it. But uh, I can remember any time that they would say a hurricane was coming, people would board up their doors and everybody would take precautions. And some people didn't. And the people, they didn't have like big hurricane, torrential disasters, but Wilmington was bad about flooding. And there were houses that were flooded. There were people's lives that were destroyed because they did not prepare. And if there's ever a time for us to prepare, not only ourselves, but be that one voice in the wilderness calling out to those around us, those that we say we love, those that we say that they are our friends, us calling out to them and saying, get ready. A storm. Is coming, like a meteorologist who's trained to see signs of how a storm takes place and how it forms. God is giving us the same ability through His Word to be able to see that there is a storm coming. So the first thing we see today, as Noah is preparing to hear the warning, uh, Noah is preparing to hear the warning. We talked last week about the fact that that the Noah's day was evil. They had totally disregarded God, and they were living for themselves, and they, they had just abandoned everything that had to do with God. And there's a lot of things that we learned last week that it could apply even to our, our, so, our social status, to our culture, to the way we are today. And what we see here is that Noah was prepared to hear the warning. God wants, Let me, let me tell you this, God wants to share his plans with you. Jeremiah 29.11 says that he has plans, plans for you to prosper. God wants to share the plan with you. What's the one thing keeping him from sharing the plan with us? Our ability to listen. As we learned in our Sunday school lesson today, wisdom, godly wisdom, is always calling out to us, much like a sign you see on the side of the interstate, begging for our attention. But we must accept it. Let's read verses 9-13 through 13 of chapter 6. These are the family records of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Man, if I could ever be blessed enough that when... I die, it says on my epitaph, James walked with God. If that could be said of you, that Joe or Susie or Bob or somebody, somebody that you walked with God, what an encouragement. What a, because we see here, listen, Noah is not perfect. It doesn't say that he's perfect, it says he's blameless, but there's a difference between blameless and perfect. He was not perfect, but he walked with God. You came here this morning. Why did you come here this morning? Number one, because the Holy Spirit drew you here. But number two, because you're walking with God. I'm giving you a pat on the back, by the way, okay? You know, thank you. You are walking with God. You are pursuing Him. You are here week after week after week. So don't underestimate the power of just sitting in that pew. That's not all we're supposed to do. But the fact that you're here shows that you are trying to get online with what God has for your life. Noah, here, he was blameless and he walked with the Lord. Verse 10 says, And Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. Therefore, I am going to destroy them along with all the earth. Can you imagine? It had not been so long ago that God created everything. And he created man. He, what God is talking about here is he's talking about wiping out everything. From the cute little rabbits in the field to the nasty snakes, to the people that have turned their backs upon him. He was going to get rid of everything. He was like, I'm done with this. I created them and they're ignoring me. It's kind of like every parent has probably felt this at some point when your child gets to that age to where they say, don't drop me off in front of the school anymore. Just drop me off at the corner and I'll walk up. Well, why? I don't want to be seen with my parents. You know, you've probably gone through that. I know I went through that with my parents as well. And that was just a phase I was going through. But I can only imagine as a parent to hear the words of a child say, I don't want to be seen with you. You know it's a phase. You know that it's part of growing up, and you know you did it yourself, but you know it still hurts. To when God says, I don't even want to look at you. I created you, and I did not want to look at you. Remember, folks, God takes sin seriously. We see that in the Old Testament, and we see that in the New Testament. But Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among his contemporaries, and he walked with God. He was not perfect, but he loved God with his whole heart, and he obeyed him. I want to show you this. It says that the depth of our walk with God in the now determines our staying power in the storms of the future. Think about that just for a moment. The depth of our walk with God now determines our staying power in the storms of our future. If you were to somehow, in your prayer time, God were to tell you that, oh, by the way, in six months, you're going to go through this storm. What would you do? Depends on the storm, doesn't it? But you would try to prepare and do the best you can. But but God rarely gives you a forecast, does he? God's not big on the on the on the the fourteen and the twenty day forecast. He doesn't we don't have a God's almanac that can tell us what has happened on the same date for umpteen years. God doesn't give us the future. Why does he not give you, why does he not lay out the future for you and I? Because if he did that, we wouldn't have to use something called faith and trust and dependence. The things the the walk that you have with God now the depth of your walk determines your staying power in the future. That's why I'm telling you just as God is telling Noah build your faith now. Grow in your faith now. Read the Bible now not so you can tell people what you think the Bible says, but so you can grow. Pray Forgive people. Quit being so mean. And understand that God has put you here and myself here for a limited time and that we need to do the best of what we can. And what you're learning from God now is, I promise you, preparing you for the future. Just as every plank that Noah put into place. That will be something that happened in your life, that you've put together. You're building something to help you in the future. And those that do not build their spiritual walk, for those that do not walk with God, for those that reject God, their, their future is going to be the same as those who didn't believe Noah in his day. Death and separation from God. But the depth of our walk now determines our staying power in the future. So my question is, why? Why did God send the flood in the first place? Well, in verse eleven and twelve, it says that the world was corrupt. That means corrupt means to to bring to ruin, to destroy. In other words, if um, uh, you know, you, you see all these TV shows about technology and stuff that. That if the computer gets a virus or the code in it, the way it's programmed gets corrupt, you can just go ahead and throw it out. One corrupt file, just 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 one little. I mean, if you were to take, uh, <laughs> I know what I want to say, but I don't know if I can say it. So I guess I'll just say it. If let's say you take this this great jello mold that you make, some of you might make a great jello mold. But for some reason, you mistake one ingredient with cat litter. And you put just a little bit of cat litter in that. It's just a little bit. Would you eat it? No. No. Why? Because it is corrupt. And when we think, oh, I'll just let a little sin reside in my life. I'll, just, I'll give God everything but this. I'll forgive everyone but this person because God knows what they did to me. Well, yes, He does. And He still thinks you need to forgive them. The world was corrupt. God had designed them a certain way and they were not operating in the way that He, that he um, created them. Man had turned away from the purpose God had created them for. Mankind should have been looking for a redeemer unless they were focused on themselves. Listen, the longer that you and I are focused on ourselves, the less we see Jesus. The more that we are focused on self, the more that our world is focused on self, the less that they will see Jesus. The more that we are focused on ourselves as Christians, or the less that we focus on what the Lord has for our lives. If we become so focused on our life, we will not share our faith with others. And if we do not share our faith with others, then we are dying as a Christian. Because the Bible clearly says that when we have a light in our life, we are not to put it under a bowl. We are not to hide it. This little light of mine... I'm going to let it shine. Amen. (laughs) Song theology there. But mankind should have been looking for a redeemer, but their focus was on themselves. We see from the very beginning of Cain and Abel, Cain's descendants, that, that evil strand in culture had started. And you see from the time of Cain and Abel there's two classes of people that we still see today that are a result of Cain and Abel. You know who that is? The saved and the lost. You want to know where it began? Right there, my friends. That's where the two the great divide started. Just as people of Noah's day could not see the flood coming, our world today cannot see it as well. Because why, why can, can our world not see the flood coming? Because they are too consumed with themselves and their own knowledge. And they think that they have a better way. But God needs people who will, just like Noah, walk with him and share the gospel of his love and his sacrifice. How do you, go back to Noah's day. You want to know the first sign that somebody should have said there's something going on? When his great grandfather Enoch, who was a prophet, he was telling people about the Lord and then the Lord took him. And I don't mean they they did not have a funeral because they couldn't find him. He was one of the world's first truly missing persons. Because God took him. He never went through death. Do you think maybe somebody should have started asking questions about that time? And you say, how in the world? But folks, in this church, and in this world, and in our lives, we see God at work every single day. But we are too obsessed with ourselves to notice it. Folks, we have to open our eyes to the opportunities and to the workings that the Lord is doing in our lives. The second thing we see is that Noah received the warning, but also with the warning there came a promise. Noah received the warning and the promise in verses 14 through 21. It says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. You are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark to within 18 inches off the floor. You are to put a floor, or excuse me, you are to put a door in the side of the ark, make it with lower, middle, And upper decks. So let me just pause just for a second. This translation says feet. Your translation might say a cubit. You might ask yourself, how much is a cubit? Well, they didn't have levelers back in those days, they didn't have uh, uh, yardsticks. You know what they had? Their arms. And so a cubit would be from your elbow to the tip of your finger. So roughly 18 inches is how much a cubit was. And as you read this, there's something very significant that I'll talk about in just a moment. According to this passage, how many doors were in the ark? Okay, think about that. Well, as we keep reading, verse 17 says, Understand that I am bringing a deluge, floodwaters on the earth, to destroy all flesh under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You are also to bring into the ark two of every living thing of all flesh, male and female, to keep them alive with you. You ever thought how in the world Noah got every single animal in that boat? it's amazing there are some animals I wish he'd have just left out but you know what God knows that we need every one of them I mean why in the world did he have to save cockroaches but for some reason in the in the whole scheme of things he knows more than I know and sure enough he will uh, he will definitely show us in due time I'm sure but I'm sure the cockroaches appreciate it But then we see that in verse 19, you are to bring into the ark two of every living. And then verse 22 of everything from the birds, according to their kinds, from the livestock, according to their kinds, from every animal that crawls on the ground, according to its kind. Oh, my goodness. Will come to you. So that you can keep them alive. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten. Gather food for you and for them. And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded them. Well, we see that Noah received the warning that the flood was coming, but also the promise in the form of a covenant saying that I am going to save you and your family. And I am going to rebuild this world with you. What did Noah do to deserve that? Because in a corrupt society where everyone was corrupt, he was the one man of faith. What can your walk with God do? You being a man or woman of faith, what can your walk do. I'm telling you what it can do. God notices it. God will bless it and it will affect your family. I was that kid that, I, you know, my dad joked with me all the time when I'd come out from church, son, do you need a set of keys? Are you going to lock up? Because I would wait. I mean, I had to make sure every girl was hugged. I would have to make sure that every prayer had been said and that everybody's hand, I mean, everybody needed to know me, right? But it was because I got involved in church, and, and there's more to this story. But because of my involvement in church, after my dad, uh, the, the company he was working for uh, went belly up. And so instead of going to another company just like it, he took a menial job just so that I could stay in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And they got involved in a church. Why? Because God was working in my life. And I'm not, I'm not puffing myself up. But I'm just saying, at that moment, at that time, my faith had an impact on my family. Your faith has an impact on your family. God is crying out and calling men and women of faith to stand up. It's time for the boy to sit down and the man to stand up. The girl to go home and the lady of God to stand up and and stand up for what they believe. Because our culture is not used to that. They're used to people being flimsy, uh, flimsy stools that can, that can crush at the first moment of stress. But Noah received the warning and the promise at the same time. We see that God prepares Noah for the storm before he tells him it's coming. Did you notice that? In your scriptures, he gives them all of the measurements of the ark and everything to do before he even tells him there's a flood coming. Well, preacher, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. There are things God is asking you to do. And there are things that God is calling you to do that you don't understand at the time why He's doing it. But He will tell you in time. And He will show you in time what that is. Again, why does He work that way? Because He wants us to depend upon Him. If He lays it all out for us, we're tempted to do it in our own strength. And God is saying, you cannot do this in your own strength. There is no way that Noah could have wrestled every single type of species on that boat. There's actually, uh, have you ever heard of Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham? He is actually, I mean, it's it's a huge organization. They are building a theme park, and I want to show you a picture. Uh, They have something called the Ark Encounter and they they have just got the funding approved and are able to start moving on this, they are building a replica of the ark. And as a matter of fact, they're building a whole theme park around biblical uh, biblical narratives. And after three years of red tape, uh, they finally received the funding to build this 510-foot ark like the one mentioned in the days of Noah. And it's a theme park based upon biblical accounts of Noah's Ark and the flood. And also, there's going to be uh, the Tower of Babel, a walled city, a first century village, a petting zoo, wildlife shows, and much more. That sounds like fun, right? You know, some people might say, oh, they're just commercializing. They're selling Christianity. I'm telling you what, carowinds, and six flags will take your money all day long. And what do you get when you, what benefit do you get other than having a great time with your family? Nothing. Here, they can go to this theme park and they can actually learn about Scripture and they can learn about creation and they can learn about the Ark in ways they had never thought of before. And so I, th- I thought that was really encouraging that they were doing that. And we see here that, that God's intelligent design, Gopher Wood, was actually indestructible in those days much like a huge redwood tree. And when it says to to what, when it said to use pitch to put together the ark what did the pitch do? It made it waterproof. In the way he told him to build the roof with a basically a vent all the way around it much like gems are built today. Why is that? Because they would have to eat sleep and live with all those animals. And if you didn't have proper ventilation, I'm sure it would begin to stink. God thought of everything. And God gave him that plan. It was an intelligent design. Listen, if you are rejecting God, and do not do not give in to the thought of the day that you can handle it yourself. There is no way that Noah could have handled this himself. The thought that whatever you do, it will be right is unrealistic. Today, the, the thought is, do you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe and we will all be okay in the end? Amen? No. That thought of, well, if the good outweighs the bad in my life, then I will go to heaven. That is not. There is only one way to heaven. That is why the ark only had one door built into it. There is only one way to salvation. There is only one way to being saved. There is only one way to life. And that is through Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no woman comes to the Father except through me. One door, one chance, one way. Oh, you're being (laughs) closed-minded, preacher. You're being intolerant. That's hate speech. How is it hate when it's the truth? And I mean, I mean, I'm not shoving this down people's throats, but I'm just trying to get a point. The point I'm trying to get across the point that if you love someone, you're going to lead them to the direction that they need to go. If you love someone, you're going to lead them to that door, because we know that a time is coming where another judgment will be here. But God, we see God promises judgment in verse 17. And although they didn't experience God's judgment right then, listen to this, folks. And this is a hard fact, but it's the truth. If you and I have sin in our life, and we don't feel the immediate judgment of God from that, don't mistake it for His approval. Don't mistake it for His approval. God sees everything. And He knows everything everything. And he loves you so much. So much that he gave you a way to have a relationship with him. God gives him his promise of help and protection. We see here that God didn't expect Noah to go out and get all those animals. God brought them to him. And when Noah took action, when Noah started that first peg, When God told him to build and he started, when Noah took action, God took action. If God is not taking action in your life, what is he calling you to do that you're not doing? You hear me? If if you feel like God has given you a bum rap, what is he asking you to do that you just refuse to do? God took action after Noah took action. Why is that? Because it showed Noah was obedient and it shows that Noah was a man of faith. When God calls you and I to do something, He will work in and around us to see it completed if we only do two things. Trust and obey for there's no other way than to trust and obey. Maybe it's to share the gospel with a friend. Maybe it's to love your enemies. Maybe it's to be content with what you have. Maybe it's to love your family more. Maybe it's to be a man or woman of integrity or maybe it's growing in your relationship to God. I see people all the time to say, "Well, I know God is calling me to do this, but I just, you know, I can forgive that person, but I'm never going to forget." My friend, that is not forgiveness. Forgiveness, the way the Bible teaches it, is to although you know that that has happened, yet you can never erase what has happened. But you can choose not to remember it. That is forgiveness. And so whatever you say that God, you know, you might say, oh, I'm too old to do that preacher. Or I'm too young to do that, I'm too big, I'm too, I'm too skinny, I'm too black, I'm too white, I'm too whatever. I'm too poor, I'm too rich, I can't do this. Who are you to tell God what He can and cannot do through your life? Think about that. Who are you to tell the Creator, the God who created you, what you can and cannot do? Who am I to say what God can and cannot do to me? Who am I to say what God can and cannot do at Homeland Park Baptist Church? We cannot. The only way that we could could even tell God what He can and can't do would be if we were more powerful than Him. And last time I checked, there was only one God, and I am not Him. And none of you in here are either. Noah was obedient and took action. Let's close with verse 22. Chapter 6, verse 22. And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. How much did Noah do of what God asked him to do? Everything. Everything. Noah did not hesitate. He had a sense of urgency. Can you imagine? (laughs) Noah is building that ark. And he's did you know he was preaching while he was building it? And the people of the town were coming by. He was the laughing stock of the town. And they were laughing at him. Can you imagine what it was like as he was hammering those boards? And the sky started to get overcast. Can you imagine his family when they thought, "My dad is crazy," but I don't have a chance. I mean, I got to build it because I'm his son, and you know he told me to help. Can you imagine seeing someone tell you to do this, and you just being faithful and obedient, and feeling that first drop of rain on your forehead? I'm telling you, folks, I just want to shout shout because when God calls us to do something, He is going to send the help. If God gives us a promise, He's going to do that. And if God says the judgment is coming, it's coming. I don't know how. I don't know when, but it's coming. So be a man and be a woman of faith. Pick up your hammer and start doing what God has called you to do because one day we are going to be proven right. A flood is coming, and Noah knew that. And when you do that, I want you to expect resistance. Because it's not going to make sense to people that are around you. But do not ignore, a storm is coming. The voices of our haters will fade as we focus on God's special calling in our life. Think about that. Some of you older folks, but... Uh, my have never understood this term, but you ever heard the term haters going to hate? I'm going to teach some of you older folks this. Some of you younger folks remember it. Haters going to hate. There are always going to be people out there that do not agree with what you're going to do. There are always going to be people that are going to seek to put you down. There's always going to be somebody that wants your job. There's always going to be somebody that wants your wife. There's always going to be somebody that wants your husband. There's always going to be somebody that wants your peace. There's always going to be somebody that wants your car. There's always going to be somebody that wants what you have. And they will try to put you down and make fun of you and tell you you can go to church. But sit down, shut up, and do your pep rally. But don't tell me what God wants to do in my life. Because they hate not us, but God who is within us. There is always going to be haters. So, the term haters are going to hate, that's just a matter of life. You don't believe me? Ask a middle school student. Ask a high school student. Ask a young professional starting out in a career. You've seen it before that young buck comes into an organization. Management has got stamps all over him. They've got plans for him. You've been there 20, 30 years. And then they come to you and say, hey, we got a future in our business and you're not in it. We're going to let this young kid do it. It happens, doesn't it? Haters are going to hate. But the voice of our haters fade as we focus on God's specific calling in our life. If you are feeling the benefits of being lost and confused and worn out and tired and not knowing what God wants to do in your life, my friend, you are listening to the wrong voices. By ignoring the voices of the haters and keeping focused, as the Bible says, fix your mind on the things of Christ, those other things become secondary. I'm asking you today to trust God. To trust God. Trust God's promise to keep you safe from the coming storm. Trust God's promise to be with you when you take a stand. Trust God when He asks you to stand up. And trust Him to love Him enough today to do all That he asks. Noah was a man of faith and he walked by God. And he walked with God. And from the moment he took that first hammer and hit that piece of wood, he was showing he was a man of faith. My friend today, swing that hammer, take that step of faith. I don't know what it is. But you know, and the Holy Spirit has shown you, the first step of faith, and you know this is coming, and I'm going to say it anyway, the first step of faith is having a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. That is the first step. Without that, everything else is impossible. And if you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a saving relationship, if you want to be able to walk through that one door, To salvation. This is your moment. You can stand up. You can come down front and everybody's going to rejoice with you and you can pray to receive Christ as your savior and Lord. Maybe you just want prayer for something else. The altar is going to be open. If there's someone that wants to join the church, they can do that as well. This invitation time, we're going to give to the Lord and let him move as only he can. Would you please stand?